This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 66, Understanding Autonomy. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. Hey Hi there. there, sister. I'm really, really good. Okay. I was not feeling well yesterday, and so Sorry. towards the end of the day, I was like, please don't let this cold take me over, and so of course, I turned to the IG to, because I'm telling you, <laughs> I had another inopportune sick moment where I went to IG to say, like, give me all your Instagram people, Instagram and tricks of like how to not have this take over my body. And they gave me this cocktail of things to take and it worked the first time. So I turned to my IG peeps again and, um, (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I dosed myself with a healthy dose of NyQuil, which I usually don't do. Okay. And slept for a solid 12 hours. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Like like it really knocked me out and I woke up feeling much better. You feel human? And then I got to hike my mountain. I know. But to be honest, guys, I'm so excited. Do you know why? Tell me. I am feeling so much opposition. Ooh, that's very exciting. It really is. And you know, know we talk about this all the time, but I am feeling so much opposition, anxiousness um, with this topic we're about to discuss, which tells me it's so important. This conversation we're going to have is so important and it's going to help me and it's going to help Becky and it's going to help so many other people. And what if I don't need help? What if I am totally good? You need, if you don't think you need help, you probably need help the worst. You know, when Becky, you guys know that Becky and I take turns in leading content um, here on the show. And when when I asked her what this topic was going to be and she said autonomy, I'm like, like, what? give me more. Like, right. what do you mean? I don't even like, give me something. Cause obviously I don't know anything about the framework or the scaffolding that she has put in place for this conversation we're about to have. Um, but when she explained even two sentences more, I was like, Ooh, right. <laughs> this may be the exact thing I want to hear right now and need to hear. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. And I love when we feel that opposition in a way that reminds you that this topic and us talking about it is a force for good and this is what's supposed to happen and that's it let's remember that opposition pressing on you means there's force present yep and baby cakes we are a force we're a force and you're a force so let's just dive in but first we need to cover a few things yes we've got an itunes review we do have an itunes review which you guys i have to tell you this is another one that totally Touched my heart. Why? Because cute melee mama starts her review with, so there I was. Oh, I love it. Isn't that great? Which if you don't know that, so there I was came from my brother-in-law, Mike, and now it is incorporated in our lives so deeply. It is very deeply. It's like we, we literally say it pretty daily, pretty like daily, just yep. in our personal <laughs> yeah. lives. And then of course it shows up here on the show. And anyway, it's yep. so much okay, fun. So let me read her review. She says, so there I was listening to the podcast called the mama hood, which if you don't know, is our friend Aubrey and Marin's podcast, which we love Becky and Becky were the guests. And I immediately fell in love with them. I started listening to their podcast from the very beginning. Even the episodes that didn't seem applicable to me were so great. And I always grasp at least one thing I feel like I can use to cultivate a good life. I love that I'm able to laugh till my guts hurt, cry till I feel all the feels and feel, and just feel like I have two of the very best friends I could ever ask for. I literally feel like I am involved in every conversation. I love you, Becky squared. I love how BH gets a 
giggles and that BP breaks out in song. We all have those things in common. I love listening and I can't wait to see what else you two end up doing. Oh, I'm feeling a little teary with that Me one. Me too. Like, thank you, Mele Mama. I love that and so much. we love you. We I love you. I want to point out one thing that she said. I literally feel like I am involved in every conversation. Let me give a little shout out to Mele Mama. The reason why you, my friend, feel involved is because you are doing your part. Becky and I show up and we record together. We pray about what we're recording. We put the work in. We do it, right? But you are doing just as much work as we are doing because you are engaged in the listening. You're not just passively listening. You're actually being mindful and thoughtful and intentional about what you as an individual can pull from what we're talking about. And that is what engagement is. And that's what involvement is. And and I love you for it. I love you for it. And you are not alone. I think so many of our listeners are that awesome sauce. They are. They really are. Mm-hmm. Our listeners are the best. Oh, and we do the best consider community. you friends. This community we're building, what a force for good. Like how yeah. awesome that we get to join with people all over the world, talk about uplifting things, and help each other to be better. We feel your support, and we hope that you feel ours. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into this conversation that Becky's feeling a little anxious about, let's first hear a quick word about this week's sponsor. Have you ever scrolled through social media and wondered how in the world people are getting amazing pictures that are so sharp, light, and bright? Yeah, I did too. I thought maybe I just didn't have the eye for photography. I was so wrong. Thankfully, my good friend Becky set me straight and helped me to realize that with a little instruction, I could uncover my inner photographer. If you're a regular listener, you've heard us talk quite a bit about the BH Classroom and specifically the Photo Tips and Workflow course. As another mention before the end of the year, we want to remind you that we have a seat in this course with your name on it, and this is the time to save 20% on that seat. We also want to remind you that a seat in the Photo Tips course is an excellent and totally thoughtful gift for someone you know that would love to take better pictures and get inspired about their photo workflow. We invite you to join thousands of people who have gone through this online course that has personally been a game changer in my own picture taking. Go to classroom.beckyhiggins.com where you can see the full curriculum, watch the video that gives you glimpses of the class, learn about what to expect, and of course, buy a seat in this course. Back to the gift idea. If you are interested in gifting a seat to someone, simply email classroom at beckyhiggins.com and we will help you make that arrangement. Trust me, you will be a gifting hero with this gesture. Don't forget that during this holiday season, we are offering you 20% off with the code Becky20 at checkout. Namaste. (laughs) Becky say namaste because I... I'm feeling the feels about this episode. I, I feel I the feels for you. You can feel the tension. No, I, it's not right? tension. That's not what it's I feel. Something. No, it's excitement. It is. I'm serious. Just like we were saying about yeah. opposition. Like I can tell for you that this is something, listen, I relate because I am preparing content for an upcoming episode that I feel just as anxious about right. because it is so important mm-hmm. and it's so exciting and there is so much opposition in us talking about things that are this important. So yes. I actually like feel excited with and for you and I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be a better person by the end of this hour. I, well, I, I will sure be. hope so. Well, you better, I know I for you better sure. deliver. I know I for sure will be. And I think that's kind of the the cusp of like how episodes come to be is that I feel something or Becky feels something in our personal lives that we've had 
a realization about something we need to work on or something that we just never looked at before. And autonomy, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is that's kind of how this came to be, is I had some realizations about autonomy in my own life and how that plays into my kids' lives. And, And it's been something that has kind of shifted my perspective significantly. Like in life? In life. That's amazing. Truly. Um, okay. So the word autonomy. Yeah. I was going to ask right? if you were like, going to define that first, totally. just from a generic standpoint, totally. and then we're just going to go. So autonomy, I looked for, I have a million definitions for autonomy and I liked none of them. And Ooh. so I go ahead, I went ahead and came up with a compilation of what I believe autonomy is. I love it already. Okay. I love it all right. Are you ready for yes, my definition of autonomy? Yeah. Autonomy is being able to stand firmly on your own feet in the spaces you choose to be in. Okay. Period. Period. Or could it also say without the influence of others or not necessarily? No, that's not true, actually, because we're all influenced. So never mind on my part. Yours was perfect. Say it again. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Being able to stand firmly on your own feet in the spaces you choose to be in. Okay. We're going to go back through that. Okay. But I want to jump in. Okay. I like it. When I'm parenting, and actually Becky and I at church this Sunday, um, we were sitting at church on Sunday and someone got up to share something that actually really kind of pricked my heart. And um, he was talking about fear. And fear to me is like the cusp of everything that holds me back in my life. Um, because of my belief, I believe that, that fear is a tool that Satan uses against us to keep us from doing the work that we're called to do. Fear is like that wet blanket he wants to put on all of us. And so fear is something I'm acutely aware of. One of the areas in my life where I feel the most fear, if I'm being totally honest, is parenting. Um, And I think we all, if we're parents, can relate to that of um, being held back, having our children being held back by our shortcomings, feeling like we need to be perfect or if we're not perfect, our children are going to end up drug addicts or you know, not competent adults or whatever, that that our shortcomings are going to perpetuate into the following generation, which by the way, totally untrue. Um, And he said... A parent's worst fear is not that your kids are going to die, like they're going to get hit by a car and die, which if you had asked me, I'm like, yeah, that probably is my worst fear that they're going to die. He said, a real parent's worst fear is that your kids are going to develop habits that are going to destroy their life. Yeah, I'm going to not disagree that? with that. And and really, mm-hmm. that hit me because I it's thought- powerful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. Um, And then you take it a step further in thinking that also is my greatest fear for myself, that I'm going to develop habits or ways of living that is going to destroy my life, right? Um, I don't feel like I'm in a place where I'm going to develop a drug habit at this point, right? Correct. But I might develop um, thoughts feelings, a way of defaulting in my life that is, that is going to hold me back, that is going to keep me stuck, that will end up maybe not destroying my life, but might end up affecting the world because I'm not showing up. And I kind of, I use the term showing up loosely because I feel like it's overused right now, but I truly, and I firmly believe as we start this episode off at the core of autonomy is the knowledge that you have unique gifts and talents that nobody else has. Each of us, our kids, every single person on this earth has very unique things about themselves, gifts that they're given, um, things that they can and should do that nobody else can do. 
this is kind of the core of autonomy and what it means to have autonomy and to honor, honor autonomy. Are we good? I'm, Any I'm comments? loving this. Any yes. comments? <laughs> well, Any comments from the peanut gallery? No. So I, I don't. I don't have anything to add yet that's of value, but I just want to um, tell you that as this gentleman said those words in church, I felt that same impression, which is this is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have different types of fear, fears, obviously, and parenting is where a lot of us can definitely relate to fears that we have. But at the core of the concerns and the worries and the feelings I have as a mother, that's absolutely at the baseline of all of it, which is that there's nothing. And I just said this to my kids again last night because we were talking about some things. And I said, at the end of the day, I just genuinely want you to be happy. And I know that good habits are exactly what point you to happiness and Mm -hmm. bad habits are what will destroy you and, and bring you way down and bring you beneath your potential. And that's it. Like, I, I just, I love them so dang much. That that's what I want. And so I always want to come from a place of love and not fear. I'm, I'm literally working on that all the time. Oh, totally. Is this love-based? Is this yeah. fear-based, right? And so when he said that and what I was feeling is, yes, and that has to come from love. Totally. Not a fear, but because we love our kids so much, we want them to, to develop the habits. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why I'm so excited with your, what yeah. you're talking about with autonomy is not just the personal growth that I want to feel yeah. um, through this conversation, but also how I can help my children, help instill in them greater autonomy. Because really, again, our goal is not to create obedient children, although that's wonderful. Um, our goal is to create children who can stand firmly in the places they choose to be, mm-hmm. right? Keyword being choose to be. Um, if you look at autonomy, okay, so we've talked about parenting and we are going to go there a little bit later in the episode, but I want to like break it down. Um, I was not like a rebellious youth, but I certainly was like someone who pushed the boundaries. And, um, I think back to myself as a teenager of what caused me to do some of the boneheaded things that I did. Like you can look back and say like, well, why, why would I have reacted in anger? Or why did Mm. I feel like I needed to go do something that I knew was wrong? Like I knew it was like, why did I do that? That's a good question to ask yourself. And as I'm parenting, well, let's be honest. One of my children really closely resembles me, like my personality. I love it. And so oftentimes when I am disciplining (laughs) her, um, I sort of have to laugh because it's like I'm arguing with myself. Do you know what I mean? And you may have a a child like that or a friend like that or a sibling like that or whatever, um, where literally I totally understand everything she's saying because I totally would say the same thing. Wow. And I have to kick myself a little bit like, I'm reaping, I'm reaping what I sowed as a youth. Oh yeah. Um, Which is awesome. (laughs) But trying to kind of get to the bottom of that, of like, what, what is she trying to say? And I go back to like, well, what was I really after? You know, I don't believe that kids or, or any of us really, we don't come here to do evil. We don't come here to make bad choices. So when, when we are rebelling, which let's be honest, yes, we see rebellion in kids and adolescent and whatever, but even as an adult, I recognize that there have been things that I have rebelled against or resisted that kind of were in that same vein of like that developmental rebellion. So what the heck is at the heart of developmental rebellion? That Which we is all a really good go question through? because I just want to add that we are all inherently good. Totally. Every single, every single one of us comes here inherently good and we are inherently good. And so yeah. I love that you're really internalizing that question for yourself and causing all of us to really think about it. Why, why would we do things that are without, that lack integrity? Because integrity means that we're, 
making choices according to our knowledge of right and wrong. Right. Right. And so when we go against that and we lose our integrity, what's going on? Right. Okay. Tell me what's going on. (laughs) At the heart of it, at the heart of it, when I even looked, like I said, even at those things as an adult that I may have like rebelled against or even dumb, stupid things, really what I was trying to do was to assert autonomy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So being able to stand firmly in the places I choose to be. Right. Because when I am not feeling autonomous, when I am not honoring, um, I, I hesitate because the word autonomy and independence are actually not the same thing at all. So when I say autonomy or I, well, you may hear independence, I'm not talking about like um, being separate from everything, everything else or putting yourself or having all this alone time. Really, that's not it. Um, autonomy is so much deeper than that. But when I am not feeling, when I am not honoring my very unique spiritual self, Sometimes this comes out as impatience, as rebellion, as resentment. It has come out in my marriage as resentment. And I start to have bad feelings that I really can't quite identify. Have you ever had those feelings of like being in a funk and you're like, I am in a funk and I don't know why. And it feels like it's everybody else's fault, but I can't identify what it actually is. Mm -hmm. This is what it was for me is I was not honoring my autonomy. So as we, as we grow, and we, we aspire to things. You might get married. You might be in a relationship. We, we become parents, right? Um, I think sometimes we lump ourselves into the roles that we play. We start to assimilate into these, into these roles we have. And these roles are good. These are not bad things, Absolutely. right? But we start to lose ourselves. I hear that from women a lot. I've really lost myself in motherhood. I've, I've lost myself in my marriage. I don't know who I am anymore. And it totally reminds me of, have you ever seen the movie Runaway Bride? Yeah. With Julia Roberts? Yes, okay. absolutely. So the backstory of this movie is she um, she's kind of like a chronic um, runaway fiance, right? So she gets engaged, goes to the altar, and then ends up running away. And in this movie, she talks about not being able to know what kind of eggs she likes, right? She goes and when she's dating this guy, she likes eggs Benedict. And then when she's <laughs> dating this guy and she's getting married to him, she likes an egg white omelet with spinach. And this guy, it's scrambled eggs, right? And she really doesn't even know what kind of eggs she likes. Oh my gosh. Right? Because she's now assimilated. Now I want to watch this movie over again. Right? It's no, so for, good. Like, keep going because I got to remember like how she finds out what kind of eggs she likes. Do you know how she remember. finds out what kind of eggs she likes? And uh, we're going to get to this kind of at the end of the episode. Does she, she go hiking? She literally sits. I know. She goes hiking every day. <laughs> That's what you and I do. Right? She literally sits there and orders every kind of egg on the planet. Okay. Until she eats one and is like, wait a minute. I actually like that one. Ooh. That is a perfect analogy. What we're doing when we are not being true to our integrity is we are trying things out because we don't even remember what we're actually about. Mm. But I want you to think about that in terms of your kids. When your kids are dipping a toe or rebelling or having some of these negative emotions, what they really might be saying is, I'm not feeling my autonomy. Or they're trying to figure out what their autonomy is. Is that what you mean? Well, I think it's, they already are who they are. But they're asserting autonomy. So what they might be saying is like they're feeling they're feeling crushed. They're feeling like they're individual. They're not having enough room to be expressing and learning what kind of eggs they like. Sit with that for a minute. I am sitting with it. I'm I'm processing. I'm really processing because I want to understand that at a deeper level. Because yes. right now I'm just picturing Julia with her eggs, mm-hmm. all of the options, and I connect to what you're saying. 
in terms of, let me just back up just a minute, because you had mentioned that sometimes people will use the term, I've lost myself in motherhood, or I've mm-hmm. lost myself in my career or whatever. I think the term that makes a little bit more sense is I've over-identified. Oh, I like that. With I like being that a, a lot. mom. I've over-identified, for me, and if you've been an avid listener, you know that I've over-identified with being um, a business owner. Correct. With this, uh, this everything, this work that I do. Um, and, and I've, I've corrected and, and I've worked through that and things, but I think that over-identification can cause problems, which a lot of us, a lot of us, I think probably everybody can relate to this at some point. Well, and it's not even necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying like you over-identify and and it's horrible. Like this is a natural consequence of really fully committing to these roles we play in our life, which Which is amazing. That's exactly what we should be doing. Be all in. But we're talking about this because I want you to understand that while you play certain roles, you, your identity is not that role, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you, Becky as a business owner, Becky as a mother, Becky as whatever, those are all good. But where it becomes out of balance is where you forget about Becky, the individual, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. the very best way that I can show up in the roles in my life is to firmly know who I am, know what I'm about, and to bring that, my most light-filled self, to every role that I play. If I play those roles without that foundation, it becomes resentment. It becomes over-identifying. It becomes a lot of other things. But the problem is, is we haven't really... I speak for myself. I wasn't really, although I'm very independent, I think anyone who meets me would say totally independent. Um, I was not spending enough time in this space. And so when I wasn't spending enough time in this space of knowing my why, who I was, what I was about, when I wasn't spending enough time in that, um, I ended up not being able to, to be present in those other roles. Those roles didn't feel as fulfilling because I was trying to plug in. I was trying to, when you say over-identify, I love that explanation because I was trying to plug in um, pieces of me as a mom into who I, who I am, right? It has to come from inside and it can't, can't come outside in. It has to go inside out. Does that make sense? Completely. Okay. Completely. No, I'm, I'm feeling this a lot. I'm feeling this so, so much. And, um, and I, and I hope that as you guys are listening, that you're identifying with what Becky's talking about, because as we dive in a little deeper and as Becky shares a little bit more insight, I think the goal here is that because everything that we're talking about is based in cultivating a good life, this is truly one of the very best ways that you can cultivate the very best possible life totally. is by, by being um, more in tune than ever with what your autonomy actually means. Mm-hmm. And so as you keep going, Becky, I just want to encourage our listeners that if they need to pause or if they need to, you know, get through the episode and then pause or whatever, but just remember stillness in this conversation. Yes. Stillness is so important, way more important than anything that comes, you know, through these microphones and right. through what you're listening to. You've got to take the time to be still and really get in tune with what autonomy looks like for you in your life. And totally. We, and we will be, you know, I know we're only in the middle of this, but I just, you know that I've been working on um, mm-hmm. an, another episode coming up that is like the perfect piggyback to right. what we're talking about today that's yeah. going to involve a lot of action yeah. about how to um, 
move it forward. So this right. is just so good, Becky. It's We're going to be ending so this important. episode with actually a little, a little writing exercise, awesome. which when I prepared this, I literally said to Beck, like, I can't wait for your episode. Cause I feel like it's, it will It'll end up hand kind in of being hand. totally hand I'm in hand. So right. Yeah. And, and I hesitate to bring this content forward because autonomy, I, I don't want it to be confused with independence. Okay. Um, I'm not talking about separating yourself out of these roles in a physical way. I'm not talking about, I feel lost in my marriage, leave my marriage. Like, let me be very clear and upfront and saying like, no, that is not at all what I'm saying. Um, there's actually a guy named Daniel Pink who has a very interesting, um, thought about autonomy. And he says, autonomy is different than independent because it means acting with choice. Okay. Okay. Acting with choice. Um, we also call it agency, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when we talk about this, which is why that tied into my definition of being able to fir- stand firm in the places you choose to be. Um, kind of the opposite of choice in our life becomes resentment, right? If, if we're not choosing to stand um, firmly in our marriage, it very easily can turn to us having feelings of resentment because we are not feeling like we are choosing to be there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we can all relate in big or small ways, times, um, in our relationships where we may have, where we may have felt this. I know I for sure have, I know my husband for sure has, um, interestingly kind of the, the, um, not the start, but kind of the aha moment I had with autonomy happened while I was visiting with my husband and my kids. We were, um, in my hometown visiting my parents and my husband made a comment to me that made me laugh and it was just so bizarre he said um he said honey it's so weird but you kind of annoy me when we're in New York and I was like what do you mean because interesting so not something my husband would say and he's like you really become very needy when you're in New York. And I was like that's so weird like why would I become needy like in my childhood home what it was, was I was falling back into this like pattern of when I wasn't autonomous and instantly the reaction of that, even though I'm like totally secure and I'm in a great place, the instant reaction to that was I became over invested in the attention of my husband, which for him, he's like, what, who is this human being? Interesting. And it was, it was and just a by weird physically dynamic. being in your childhood Just by being in that place. dynamic and Whoa. in a place where I didn't have autonomy, um, which now it ties back to like as a youth, as I'm like testing limits and boundaries and trying to establish that autonomy, it almost put me back in that place where as an adult, the expression of that is not like going out and doing crazy things. It's becoming over invested in my marriage and in the attention of my husband. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That Different interesting. expressions of the same thing. I actually love that Taylor brought that up with you because yeah. that's the conversation that we should be having with our spouse, which is yeah. very open, very honest, very like, dude, I don't know what your deal is, but right. Like, love you we, so much. Maybe we, let's back off a little can bit. We figure out what's right. going on here. But I love that he brought that up yeah. with you and that it, it allowed both of you to kind of dive in a little bit and go, what is going on? Why is it when I'm physically in this place of my childhood right. that I'm actually having a response that looks like that? Interesting. Right. Isn't that? Yes. Okay. So, and, and you're saying that because in your childhood where you had less autonomy, yes, you were falling back into those habits. And mm-hmm. so that just reminds me that you are going to circle back to the whole, like 
how we can help our kids. Oh, for sure. With this. Yes. So this well, is Well, and that's the thing is it's hard because you almost want to dive in and talk about like how we help our kids with this and we will get there. But like also before you can help your kids, like you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself. And I think a lot of us are a little bit stunted by the fact that we have not firmly sat with our autonomy right? Like we haven't really quite figured it out or we did figure it out and then maybe have gotten over invested in some of these roles. And we're using, like I said, the identity of these roles we play to kind of plug into us. You guys, if you hear nothing else today, hear me when I say God's plan for you is to be exactly who you are. You are. You separate from your marriage, your job, your your motherhood or fatherhood, like you were sent to this earth. Your greatest calling is literally to show up as the wonderful creature that heavenly father made you to be because that person and the things that you have inside you right this minute, the things that you brought to earth with you are the things that are your greatest calling. You need to be bringing that into every single role you play. Um, bringing your most light filled centered self, that's God's plan for you. Like for real, I'm telling you that is what he wants. He wants you to show up in every area of your life, completely filled with life and the wonder of exactly the perfect creature he created you to be. I believe that we find most happiness in this life when we show up in the roles that heavenly father directs us to be in. Okay. Um, even worse than having a job that like you feel called to do, but like you might be over identifying with is maybe just putting out feelers and grasping at straws, trying to fill in this sense of self with anything that you can fill it in with, which I think we can also go down that path. Mm -hmm. I believe happiness is found on the earth when we align all that we have, all that we are with, um, specific roles and, and things that heavenly father has for us to do. Like, I truly believe that that is where happiness comes on this earth. And when you think about it that way, then our role as parents is to what? Help our kids also feel the same autonomy that we then reach. That's not the answer you're looking for. No, that's good. Is our goal is to help our children learn who they are. Yeah. To embrace who they are so that they can bring the perfect, wonderful, amazing, light-filled person that they are to the earth and whatever roles are assigned to them. Which is literally the number one thing that I pray about for my kids. For sure. Literally. Yes. Like not, you know, help them to stop doing bad things and do more good things. It's never that. It's always about, um, the prayer is always about helping them to truly understand who they are and where they come from and what their divine worth actually is. Right. Because if you understand that, when you understand that, that's everything. That's mm -hmm. the foundation for success in your entire life. Totally. Success meaning totally. happiness. And the greatest thing is, is as we are working on this for ourselves, this isn't something you can't do in conjunction with your kids. I know I have a child who's a teenager who I'm kind of working in conjunction with him. We're doing this together. I'm not instructing him as a teacher. We're going through this process together of figuring out um, what he's about and, and cohesively talking about being able to, to work on autonomy. What a connection you can have with your kids as sometimes we fall into this parent teacher role you know, we're a teacher, we're the parent, we're the instructor, but I think there is also a great deal of power in, in presenting eternal principles to our kids, um, being like 
the co-student, I guess, for lack of a better term, right? Like my kids have said to me, mom, this doesn't have to be a teaching moment. And when I take myself out of that, really the greatest teacher is doing it together. And so going through this work together, um, has been, has been pretty amazing. So there are some questions, um, that I think you can ask yourself and then likewise be asking yourself and present that to your child. Um, so what kind of eggs do you like? We're going back to runaway bride, but really, um, anytime that we can get in the habit of speaking, I'm going to say eggs, but you know, it can go for anything. What kind of eggs I like instead of defaulting to like, well, this is what's happening. So I'm just going to go with it. Like you can really say in your life, what kind of eggs you like. We lose that ability. I think as we try to assimilate, but more than that, um, asking our kids, in many different ways, we're using eggs as an analogy here. Like, what kind of eggs do you like? I'm often over trying to get my kids to try new things. And I don't do a good enough job of being like, hey, what do you actually like? What's your favorite breakfast? What's your favorite trip? What's your favorite thing about school? What do you feel the most joy when you're doing? And I think being able to, to kind of master the art of asking your children questions that help them to discover what they actually think and feel is maybe the most important parenting tool that I have found, especially as my kids have gotten older. But as I'm asking these questions, as I'm thinking about what I'm trying to get to with them, it's helped me because I'm asking myself those same questions. Um, that's, I th- that's where the growth happens. That is exactly side side. where the growth happens. And I love that you have made that known that you are working through this for yourself. And so as you're helping guide your child, which is our job as a mm-hmm. parent, we guide our children, um, for them to know that you are also refining this for yourself and, and, and increasing in your understanding of who you are and what you do like and what you want to be about. I think that's really cool for a kid to know that you are still their parent. You are still their guide. You are still, you still do have authority, but you are also growing. You're also evolving. You're also learning and trying to be better. And what an empowering experience for parent and child to do that together. I think sometimes we feel like we need permission to be who we are. There's a lot of cultural conditioning. There's a lot of input from media. There's a lot of input, let's be honest, from the expectation. Beck, you talk so much about this, but expectations on you as a businesswoman from the community at large or from an industry. We have so much external expectation placed on us that we lose this art of being able to bring who we are when at the heart of it, even in business, in life, in my marriage, like the example I talked about with being in Buffalo is genuinely people want us to show up who we are. Right. And, and when we don't do that is when people try to expect more out of us because they're not getting what they're really after. And what they're after is they want, um, they want that like piece of who we actually are. Does that make sense? Was that confusing a little bit? Um, no, it's not confusing, but I'm, I'm trying to find clarity in it. Are you saying that the expectations from other people are, wait, say it again. Okay. So I think when we are not showing up firmly rooted in who we are and having that clear direction of what we're about, I can relate to um, that. We don't actually satiate people. Yeah. 
So let's take it with business since we kind of went there with you. Mm -hmm. When you were not showing up in your business with the very unique, innovative things that make Becky Higgins, Becky Higgins, Mm -hmm. you're a trailblazer. You're an innovator. You're a problem solver. You're a teacher. But when you were doing the things that didn't represent Becky, the innovator, Mm -hmm. like that actually didn't resonate professionally. Mm -hmm. And people were like, no, we want more. We want you to do more. Really, I think what the market was responding to, what people were saying is we want Becky. We want the things that you particularly are. I agree. And when we're chasing those things, we're not actually showing up as who we are. And so we're not feeling fulfillment. We're feeling resentment towards the expectations other people have for us. And it doesn't work. It becomes a cyclical destructive thing that we keep running around in. And I want to, I want to say that when you do go through an experience like that, which I for sure did, I'm so grateful for it. I really think, and I, and I want to apply this to my mothering as well. And with our kids, because I really have come to appreciate that it took me taking, I'm drawing a circle with my finger on the table right now. It took me taking a path that kind of went around and kind of swayed back and forth or up and up and down for me to actually realize who I really am and what I'm really about, which we'll talk about in a future episode a little bit more and how that applies to you. But, um, I'm grateful for those experiences to the point where I feel like that actually helped me to be more sensitive to my kids paths, mm-hmm. their individual paths in allowing going, the cyclical nature. Exactly. Like totally. I, I want to keep them safe. You and I have talked yeah. about this, Becky, about the path and how mm-hmm. it kind of bounce around a little bit, but we never want them to fall off the edge. Right. Right. They and can so, skin their knee, but we'd rather them not break their neck. Yes. That, that would be true. Yeah. And so, but I think that if we, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm giving you permission. I, I want the listener yes. to feel permission that if you're in a place where you are not totally sure and you're just trying different ways of being or ways of existing or different things in your life, good for you. Try it out. Mm-hmm. See where that takes you. But stay, but then come back to mm-hmm. where you will eventually feel like that's who you really are. Um, I'm not, I would never encourage anyone to ever do things that are harmful to yourself or to others. But for me, professionally, because we went there, right. um, I, I definitely experimented with some different things and I will never regret it because it it's what brought me full circle to a more clear picture of who I am right. that way. Well, and I think that, that statement that you said is absolutely um, profound because you are going to um, be able to establish your level of autonomy only through motion. Okay, yeah. this isn't thought work. I big, feel like you can big, just do big. and sit there and say, well, I think this is what I like. I think that's an I think statement. You sometimes figure out what you don't want to do by trying those things out. I will also say I totally support what Becky says about, of course, you're not going to do things harmful to yourself, but it goes back to that you came, there's no, there's nobody that comes to earth with evil or badness or lack of integrity in their soul. And so as you're on this journey, you wouldn't do any of those things because truly that is never who you are. I truly believe there's no one on this earth that is born evil, bad, whatever. And so you're never going to find the answers in those places because at the core of who you are, none of those things even exist. And if you're trying to go in any of those places that feel lack of, you're feeling lack of integrity or any kind like that. No, that is absolutely not where it is because that is not who you are. You are not any kind of sin. You are not any kind of darkness or bad or depression or discouragement. Like none of those things are who you are. And so looking for identity in any of those things is not going to be where you find it because that's not who you are. It just isn't. And I think you know that. Exactly. I think at, in your core right now, as you're listening, I think you really 
know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go there. I Do I it. hesitate to like say things because I don't want people to misunderstand, but we're just going to take marriage for a second because I feel like this is the most common place where people begin to lose autonomy. If you are feeling resentment or like you've lost yourself in your marriage and you're having feelings of like, maybe I need to get out, um, you can do things yourself to get out of that feeling. There's no one pressing that feeling upon you but yourself. Okay. There are things and work you can do in this, in this area of autonomy that can change the dynamic of your marriage. And the best part is you can do this work completely alone. How? You don't have to do it with anyone else. Okay. So we're going to go down to, that's a big deal, um, Becky, for people to understand. It is. Because marriage, isn't marriage is two people. It's totally two people. But I do think that there's a misconception or a misunderstanding that the old saying goes, it takes two to tango. Yes. And also yeah. there is work that you can do you, the individual yes. that doesn't actually involve your spouse mm-hmm. that can make your actual marriage of two people better. Totally. And um, our friend Tamara Fackrell, who we love so much, who's one of our favorite champions of marriage. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode, but she also is um, very skilled in divorce. And mm-hmm. she has said that time and time again, that it is actually statistically proven that if one person in a marriage goes to counseling, even if your spouse won't go, it still has the power to save your marriage. So So this work that we can do just on our own, to me, that's such a relief. That is such, it's It's such a beautiful truth of like, you know what? I can do this work for myself and change the things around me that I feel out of control with. That is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truth. And so, and I, and I'll just mention that it's episode 53. For those of you who are wondering about that episode about marriage, because Becky broaching marriage, I know is going to just touch on a chord with some people that need to dive a little deeper in that work. And so episode 53 is the one we recorded with Tamara Fackrell. And Mm -hmm. it it really could be an episode that um, enhances your marriage or it could be helpful in saving a marriage. Saving a marriage. But to be honest, this totally, like, I'm just going to say it. I totally can relate with people that say like, there are times when you just wanted out of motherhood. Like I just wanted out. Like I just, I felt like I had totally lost myself and I just was like, totally lost within that. We can all relate to having moments of feeling like we just want to check out. Sister, you can take control. You can get yourself out of this. You can, because guess who's in charge of Becky Higgins' autonomy? Um, Only you. Me? There is nothing, your (laughs) spouse, your children, your mother, your father, there's nothing anyone can do to take you out of that place, which is so good. That's so empowering that you have the power to get yourself from the place you are to the place you want to be. And need to be. You, yourself, and I. That's it. That's so good. You, yourself, and you. You, yourself, and you. <laughs> you, yourself, and, and yourself. You. <laughs> and yourself. Okay, <laughs> so one thing, one little exercise that I'm going to I give just, you. Can I just throw in an amen? A I just want to say amen. Men. I just don't want to wait till the end. Yeah. I just believe that with all of my heart. Yeah, that is true. That is like at the heart and in the essence of what cultivating a good life really means. Yes. Is taking ownership. Yeah. And being empowered and knowing that you are capable of getting to that place, you, yourself, and you. You, yourself, and you. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's doable. Yes. How? How do you do it? Okay. <laughs> so Becky's going to love this. Okay. I think the first step is having time alone. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to use this as an example. Yes. So Becky and I are 
obviously very close mm-hmm. and have a very open relationship where both of us are completely autonomous. When she says open, let me just emphasize what open means. We are who we are with each other. Oh, totally. Like we don't hold back when one of us is feeling super up or super down or super in the middle. The other person knows it clear as day. There's, we just don't hold anything back. There's totally. no hiding feelings. We don't have to filter the, the words, the words that come, come out, out of our mouth. mouth. Well, and Very I think open. honestly, I was telling Becky, this is one of the only relationships I really have where a complete openness where, okay, for instance, um, you know, there is literally a mountain between us. Between our two homes is a mountain that we both love dearly, that we both hike it's all the time. Amazing. And we love hiking that mountain together. But there are times where Becky or I will say, I'm hiking and you're not invited because <laughs> I need that time yes. myself. Yeah. Okay. This is probably the first relationship that I've ever felt like I could say, love you so much. And also I need this for me and you're not invited. And I know you get it because totally. there's no feeling when either one of us says that like, oh, why doesn't she want me there? Wait, does why? she not like me right now? Wait, did I do something? No. Right. Did I do something wrong? Is it about mm-hmm. me? Is it about me? No. Okay. So being able to voice when you need that time is crucial because if you don't have that time of being alone, um, then there's really no place to even start this work. So there's two parts to this. Number one, girls, boys, whoever is listening, have the guts to voice when you need something for yourself. Okay. If um, I'm going to take this back to young motherhood when it was like literally near impossible to get time by myself. Okay. Um, Being able to go to your spouse or your partner or your parents or whoever um, is your support system and saying, I need um, an hour to, to be by myself. And now here's the key. Here's the key. And this was where I went wrong in young motherhood, where I felt the most lost. I would take that hour and I would go to a girl's night and watch the bachelorette, or I would go to a movie, which was great. It was good to get a break, but I wasn't actually accomplishing anything. You weren't filling your cup like for real. Because to be honest, I was checking out. I was still avoiding what the problem was. And the problem lie, lay, 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 lay in. The problem solely rested on me. Mm -hmm. So I was using some of those like girls nights or whatever to kind of mask like the uncomfortable moment of sitting with myself and figuring out who I actually was. Okay. Can I paint another picture? Paint it. Okay. So it's perfect of exactly what we're talking about. And this just happened yesterday. Um, and I just want to illustrate this in like real time because it's literally, yeah, it just yeah. happened. So yesterday I was super edgy. Becky, you were here at yep. my house. A couple other friends came over. We were doing some stories we were sharing and I've, I've posted about this on social media. So I'm not going to rehash the whole story, but I was super edgy. Okay. Had the morning, just edgy, whatever. Knew I needed to hike, knew I needed to like pray and be still and just like have alone time and whatever. Um, fast forward to the afternoon, still not getting time to myself. David calls and it's like, Hey, I'm on my way home. Cause we check it, you know, that's Mm kind of normal. And so I said, great. So let me tell you before I carry on, this would have not, this dialogue would have been very different a year ago, but Mm -hmm. through the work that you and I have done together through this podcast work and this self work, the conversation was so awesome. So the conversation went, Hey babe, I'm coming home. Me saying, awesome. When you get home, what is it that you have to do? Key. 
I asked him first. I didn't unload on him. I didn't like start venting. I just said, Hey, when you get home, what do you have going on? Right. Asked him first. And he said, um, I just need to make this phone call and that phone call. Yeah. I just have basically a few phone calls to make before we go out as a family. Cause we had plans to go out as a family to go to dinner. And, um, and I said, perfect. When I get home with crew, I'm going to make him some eggs ironically, right. that's what he asked for. He knew he wanted protein and was kind of We're getting a headache. We're going to give him the eggs that just set his soul on fire. <laughs> Which are scrambled eggs. Right. Anyway, well, maybe I'm going to ask him and find out if that's really what he really likes. Anyway, um, so I'm going to get home, make cruise some eggs. And since you've got some phone calls, I'm going to run over to the Butte and I'm going to do a 20 minute hike. And I, I need it so bad. I won't go into the details of my day and why I'm edgy, but I can tell I need this. So I, if that's cool with you, I'm just going to do that, do that. I'll be back. We'll be home in time to go out. He's like, great. Okay. Why am I telling you this? Because a year ago, two years ago, I would have answered the phone. David would have said, Hey babe, I'm on my way home. And I would have said, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm about to explode. Um, why aren't you home yet? Can you please help with this? Can you please help with that? But instead I, what I was doing, and this is the point I'm getting to is instead of asking permission, I asked for support. Ooh. And this is a really big deal because do you guys see the difference in that. Yes. I asking do. for permission <laughs> and having those negative emotions, like Beck was saying, resentment, freaking out, impatience, having that be the leading emotion. Number one, Becky recognized there was a problem. Number two, um, guys, she solved the problem herself. I solved the problem myself, but I also respected my, my partner. I was so respectful toward David instead of venting on him and unleashing, I literally asked him first, Hey, what do you have going on? And then once I had the information, then I was able to say, um, I'm asking for your blessing because this is what I need to do for myself right now. And he totally got it. But I think it would have been very different and very differently received if I just was like, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I just went off on him. Let me tell you what your husband hears when you go off on him. Okay. What does he hear? This is what he hears. Oh my gosh, this is the worst day ever. And I just have to unload. And Becky made me do a photo shoot I wasn't prepared for. And I'm so stressed (laughs) out. And I just don't even know what to do. And we have all this stuff going on tonight. Here is what he's feeling. Okay. He's thinking, wow, she's about to lose it. I have to solve this problem for her because I'm her husband and I really want to help her and I want to solve this problem. That's, a, that's a, what a good husband is. That's thinking. what a good husband does. <laughs> but I think most men have that thing that they want to solve your they problem. They want to fix things. Okay? Yeah. And women often say, no, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to solve the problem. I want you to just listen. That doesn't work. The just listening doesn't work unless you have a solution yourself. So if you are venting without some kind of solution of something you can do to take a step forward out of it, I would recommend you not vent Hmm. because venting without a solution, um, causes or a thought or or a thought, anything in the direction of a solution. You don't have to have it all figured out. Let's be honest. We're here for each other. Right. So sometimes we can't figure things out on our own completely, but we can start the motion. We can take the first step and at least put ourselves or maybe even just having the desire to mm-hmm. have a solution instead of venting just to be listened to. I, I totally because I'm you. telling you, this is a point of serious marital confusion is we want to help and we want to fix. But again, the responsibility, good news, great news, not bad news. Great news is that it solely lies with us. And so when we go off into venting, um, when we put our, I guess the better way to say it is when we put our energy and our effort into the venting of proving why we're justified in an action, 
guess what? We're not actually moving towards a solution. Oh, but I'm so guilty of this. We've done this before. Because it feels freaking awesome. Our bodies lie to us and tell us when we get the endorphins and all the garbage chemical we get from, from just unleashing and how good that feels in the moment, right? It feels good. But we need to know better. We need to know better and staying true to our integrity and standing in the place of autonomy. And guess what it means to be autonomous? Tell me. Putting on your big girl pants and taking control of your freaking life. Hold on. Can I, can I, can I ask? Duh. For permission? <clears throat> of course. To maybe be okay with the venting first, mm-hmm. if that is what you physiologically feel like you need to do is unload in that safe place. Unload on your spouse or your best friend or your mom, like whatever. Unload on your self place and then take a deep breath Yes, and then get your big girl pants So all I'm going to say is you can't unload without taking the deep breath and putting one leg into the pant. Yeah. That kind of unloading is not helpful. I agree. By the way, there's also a phrase for that when, when people do that in their friendships without putting their big girl pants on, having the big girl pants be part of that conversation. Yeah. It's called toxic bonding. Mm. And what it is, is you're bonding over this negative stuff that then your venting perpetuates because you're bonding over the venting. That's massive. And that is how... Hold on, hold on. Sit with that for a minute. We are talking to mostly women. Mm -hmm. And this is a weakness that a lot of us, not every single one of us, but a lot of us have experienced before. I sure have. Maybe some of us more often than others or what. It doesn't matter where you are with that, but toxic bonding is a real thing. Think about it, guys. Mm -hmm. Have you done this? Have you toxically bonded with someone over that unleashing and unloading of stuff where there's actually no where there's no putting of the big girl pants on yeah where there is no and and if you're doing this you're not being a good friend by not pointing out um that the person actually can put their big girl pants on because what you're Mm -hmm. doing is bonding over this negative stuff the interesting thing about toxic bonding is oftentimes if you get in this in this relationship habit of connecting through common woes or common discouragement, um, your discouragement, you start to take ownership over other people's feelings and you start to internalize them and they start to manifest themselves in your life. So if you are a friend that we've all done this, okay, like we've all done this and, and been participatory in this and probably have seen the effects of this. Um, if you are participating in this, I want you to hear mine and Becky's, um, voices in your head. Venting is only okay when big girl pants are present. Okay. Venting is only okay when big girl pants are present. Okay. I'm not saying if someone vents to you, you should school them and say like, well, you have control of this, you loser. That's not what I'm saying. Let it out. Let people vent, whatever. And then gently let them know what they can do about it or gently let them them know like, Hey, that sounds really difficult. And have you thought about this? And have you thought about um, spending some time by yourself? The greatest gift you can give as a girlfriend would be to say, if someone is in this venting and you see them doing this, I actually said this to Becky yesterday of like, and she has said it to me a hundred times is validate them and saying, it sounds like you really need some time um, by yourself. Can I get your kids from school? Can I, let me, let me watch your kids for a minute so you can go have that time. That is a good friend. 
that is someone who is going to help you um, in this quest for autonomy, which is going to give you the sure footing you need to stand in the places you choose to be. Because if you are not standing firmly with yourself, you don't even possess the skill to choose where you want to be. Happiness in marriage happens when you choose to be there. I choose to be in my marriage every single day because I don't have to be. I can leave tomorrow. He doesn't have to be. He can leave tomorrow. When I take control and ownership over my choices, when I exercise that agency, when I stand firmly in my autonomy, I choose to be in my marriage. I choose to be in motherhood. I don't have to be a mother. Giving birth to my children does not mean that I have to be their mother. I could leave all of this behind tomorrow and move to a deserted island. I don't want to do that. I've made the choice to be their mother every single day. And when I stand making my choice to be in the places I choose to be, I show up as myself. I show up without resentment. I show up without any of the things that hold us back from being our best and most fulfilled selves. Does that make sense? I know. Everyone take a deep breath. That was a lot, you guys. I know. That was so good. I feel like I'm sitting at the feet of a sermon in a non-preachy way. Like you are, you're, you're speaking so much truth and I, I'm nodding a lot. You guys can't see us recording. I'm nodding a lot because I agree completely. And I was thinking about my marriage with David and I was thinking about my friendship with you, for mm-hmm. example, I could speak to lots of examples, but right. the reason why our marriage works and the reason why the friendship that you and I have works is because neither one of us is going to let the other person self-loathe. Mm-mm. We're not going to let the other person just go into this, you know, we, we brought up venting and toxic bonding and things like that. That is not the groundwork for a healthy relationship. No. In your marriage not. or not. You start doing that, you're, you're now chartering in very dangerous territory. You are. Because it, it grounds you in darkness and it is not at all the thing that's going to help either one of you progress. Well, and by the way, and this is, I am speaking from personal experience, um, if you were in a relationship based on toxic bonding, when you take yourself out of that negative place, guess what's left? Tell me. Not that friendship. Because you don't want to be there anymore. Mm. Because you've brought yourself out of your place and that friendship was totally based on. So you may be thinking, oh, these people are in the trenches with me and it's great. But no, really, when you take yourself out of it, those relationships become irrelevant in your life because it didn't actually bring anything to your life but momentary comfort in feelings you don't want to have anymore. Wow. Okay. I know we could go on forever, but I want to give you a few tools, okay? Okay. And we talk about... um, Talking about this with parenting and and developing this skill as a parent of being able to help your children to exercise autonomy. Um, As I have done this, I'm not a parenting expert. I'm not claiming to be an authority figure on any of this. I'm simply sharing my personal experience with diving into my reasons for rebellion um, and, and trying to bring that into my parenting. But as I am teaching my kids to spend time in and to exercise autonomy, I have seen more peace, um, less anxiousness. Um, I have seen more happiness and I don't mean joy, like skipping and I mean like true contentment. Okay. So being able to develop this autonomy, um, one thing that I would recommend all of us do, which Becky and I both do this all the time. This is not something it's a one and done. We, we are working on this all the time is creating a why statement. And at the very, um, heart of this autonomous, autonomous, uh, behaviors, what we want to be, um, 
establishing in our lives is having a list. I'm going to give you two two things to work on because if you've never thought about any of this, kind of sitting in this work can be really uncomfortable. So I'm going to give you one thing that's been helpful for me and it is a product and this person has no idea that I'm even sharing this. And the reason I'm sharing this isn't because I'm getting anything. It's because I found something that's really helpful for me. Um, and this is actually um, Simply Sadie Jane is her name on Instagram and she sells um, meditation practices mm -hmm. for adults. I have the adults one and actually um, the kids one as well. Um, this is a product you can buy from her. I do not have a discount code. You can find her at Simply Sadie Jane. Um, these are guided meditation practices I have found to be really helpful because for me, if I like, I'm going through my crazy day and then I sit in a room and I'm like, okay, self, who are you? What kind of eggs do you like? <laughs> like I, I, my mind is racing too much. It's very hard to get myself in that place. Well, And most people wouldn't even know where to begin with that right. sort of thinking. So this right. is very intriguing for sure. Okay. Cause so you've actually you gone can... through some of these meditation. Oh yeah. Practices. I do it all the time. And I've known Sadie for years, but I've never purchased her. I'm, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. familiar with those. So this is really, really intriguing. Um, so I have purchased those. Like I said, they're actually really short. And mm -hmm. what I, I, I'm not doing thought work during it. Really what it is, is it takes me from the bridge of like crazy life to 15 minutes of stillness. After that 15 minutes, I'm able then to actually start doing some thought work. Okay. So very two cool. lists. This is very, very, very basic. Okay. Um, maybe in the back of your, you know, simple notebook or whatever notebook is your choice. I am someone who, okay. Mm -hmm. Very simple statement. I am someone who, and I don't want you to be qualifying anything that you write on this list. I'm talking like total brain dump of like whatever comes into your head. This needs to be a running list. These are practices to get your wheels spinning, not like total recipe for, um, for whatever. So I am someone who, okay. I am someone who, so for me, I'll just give some examples. Like this is totally top of mind. I am someone who loves hiking. I am someone who feels loved when my husband holds my hand when I'm not feeling well. I am someone who values friends who tell me the truth. Get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not even thinking like, well, how can this statement serve me? I'm simply brain just, dumping yeah, of as I realize there. things, I'm someone who does not like parties with 50 or more people. I'm someone who will always prefer having one or two friends to having 15 friends, like just little statements mm. of things you realize about yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who realizes that I actually like writing more than I like speaking. That's mm -hmm. been an interesting realization I've had. Yeah. Okay? Especially because the reason why that's interesting is because you thought that speaking was yes. going to be something that you were going to further pursue yes. like at a heightened level. Mm -hmm. And so for you to internalize and do more of this work for yourself, you've realized that writing is actually where you have a greater passion. It's mm -hmm. truer to who you right. feel and, and you in know your quest I thought for autonomy. I wanted to speak, mm -hmm. which I still will always speak, but because I'm really good at speaking and it's because it's what people expect me to do. Hmm. Do you, realize, do you mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? I internalize that piece of what others kind of expected of me mm -hmm. and kind of lost, like I actually really prefer writing to speaking. 
which is awesome. Totally. Totally. And I thought of one, I'll just share one statement because I didn't know you were going to share that. And the first thing I thought of, because it's so fresh on my mind because of the example I gave yesterday of being like agitated, having kind of an off day is to me, this seems like a bit of an affirmation, um, to say that I am someone who, when I'm feeling edgy, am able to take a deep breath, step aside for a moment and really get myself right back on track with feeling mm-hmm. calm and centered. Totally. You know, which to me is the opposite of how I felt yesterday. And that's why I want to make it a statement because it's an affirmation that helps remind it me is that I'm totally capable. It is. An I'm totally capable of handling edgy moments and off days like a boss. Right. And so I love that. I am someone who I wrote that in my, my notebook right now. As Let's Becky talk said about, that. I am someone who can help my marriage by the work I do. Mm-hmm. I am someone who chooses today to fold the laundry. I am someone who, and as you start, it, it, really this exercise is not about what even is on the list. It's about training your brain to be showing up choosing what you are and where you are standing in your life. Okay. And may I add that I think that, uh, I think that all of us need to give ourselves some credit for doing this kind of work that maybe we never Mm -hmm. really knew that we were doing, because I can tell you that even though I never said the actual sentence or wrote it in a journal years ago, I said to myself that I am someone who does not freak out Mm -hmm. when my kids come to me with, disappointment or hard things or whatever. And so that has guided my parenting so that I can actually, um, tell that story that Mm -hmm. I'm the parent that never freaks out. Now give me a minute. Maybe I will next. Actually fun story. Um, crew is in my car. I didn't even tell you this yet. Oh, crew is in my car and at my house or at my house crew is at my house. Mm -hmm. And one of my children, um, did something that was very triggering. And I, didn't yell or scream, but I was, I definitely raised my voice and Uh was like, oh my goodness, you guys, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like we all do. Yeah. And crew looked at me with these horrified eyes. And I was like, (laughs) what crew? Seriously, your mom has never raised your voice like that. And he said, honestly, no, she hasn't. And I was like, freaking Becky. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. I have moments for sure, but I'm not a yeller. But I love that you saying that statement has, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but that has guided. Mm -hmm. Now the key is this. Yes. When we write things down, what happens Beck? Oh, you want to get me started on that? Get it girl. (laughs) When we write things down, when we record, when we document, when we share, when we put the impression out there, right? then it is so much more ingrained in our soul that you you have a harder time shaking it out. Right. And so it actually becomes it more becomes true. Real. It becomes more real. Yes. Now question, mm-hmm. if this list is beneficial for us, if you have a child who may be struggling and you may be seeing them demonstrate some behaviors um, that are reckless, that are, you know, what we're talking about, I want you to reframe that and I want you to think about maybe what your child is actually saying through actions they don't understand because they're developing, they're developing children is that they really are searching for autonomy. Okay. Let's start viewing these behaviors and these little rebellions as really desperate pleas for self-assurance and for autonomy. 
what do you think it would benefit if one of your children had a list like this? Oh, I think it would be incredible. Because I'm thinking what would about happen. that very specifically in our right. family and how incredible that would be because they would feel way more in tune with who they are as a person. They right. would be way more in tune with their capabilities mm-hmm. and with their potential and with their sense of self. With their sense of self. Now, Which here's, then here's the caveat, though. affects their choices. As we're doing this list with our kids, um, they may write things down that you completely disagree with. Okay. That you know not to be true. Okay. As they're writing this down. You cannot freak out. How is your child supposed to know who they are if they are not allowed the safe place to discover? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And sometimes writing things down points out to you that it is not in fact true. So don't feel like this is a list that you can't you has to be perfect and everything on, you know, no, you have to give your children the space to express themselves safely. Um, so they are feeling in control of their decisions. And when I'm talking about this with kids, obviously we're not going to let them like go try everything and figure it out. We're here to love you. Um, that's not what I'm saying at all. Keep your kids safe. However, um, there are some ways that we can be demonstrating autonomy And these are ways, I'm going to be quite honest, I have completely failed in as a parent that I'm really only recently coming to this knowledge of. And so I have a few ideas. This episode's going to be eight hours, but um, we're okay. There's a few ideas of maybe developmentally appropriate ways to allow your child to demonstrate their autonomy um, throughout their childhood. um, So it becomes something that they're used to doing. Again, I'll say I completely failed um, in these and (laughs) I'm doing better now that I know better, right? Nice. Um, So when they're young, like three to five, three to six, really their whole lives, giving them choice about what clothes they wear. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I banned my children from wearing character clothing because I find it to be reprehensible. True story. (laughs) I totally would be like, you can't wear this, you can't wear that. And I, one of my kids actually, Jameson, was um, with his psychologist um, having having a session and she kind of called me in and was like, okay, so something came up I want to talk to you about. And I'm only sharing this because Jameson would totally be championing me sharing this with the world. Um, he's mentioned that you give him choice with his clothes, but that he hates all the choices. Because for me, I'm like, well, here's six gap outfits that match perfectly. (laughs) Choose any one you want. And I thought I was giving him choice. Well, it turns out he didn't want to wear gap clothes. He wanted to wear clothes that felt a certain way or had a flaming Mm. basketball on it that made me want to vomit. Okay. But I needed to be giving him something as small as that came up in a flipping therapy session because I was really, you know, I was really stifling and Becky's actually really good about this. You're actually really good about this. Well, you, you know that I'm good about this because my son wears orange on orange on orange because Uh, all the live long day, because I, because you allow him to do that (laughs) as painful as it is for me. It's become, it just, it's totally because of what you're talking about. It's because he needs to have choice. He needs to have have choice. And here's the thing. Um, one of my favorite parenting books is love and logic, but Mm -hmm. I took love and logic to an extreme and said, I will give you choice within the choices I've already made. (laughs) Not allowing them to actually make choices. Okay. So giving them outfits, um, giving them choices with outfits. I do choices with breakfast. Obviously breakfast is a little different. You have the choice between A, B, and C, and that's it, right? Outfits are something that you absolutely can totally give them complete control of. Well, the difference between breakfast and outfits are that outfits is an expression of who you are. Yes. 
food is not an expression of who you are. Food is, is uh, fuel for your body. Like right. you have to, you have to have, you're not going to be like, well, Hey, you want a Hershey bar? Okay. You be you kiddo. Right. Like, no, that's not what we're talking yeah, about. Like you right? need to nurture your children. You know, they need to have, um, right. uh, nutrition, yeah. but clothing absolutely is an expression of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with school supplies. Let them get whatever notebook with whatever design, right. That's not offensive. These are safe know. expressions and we need to totally. be seeking as parents for the most opportunity to give our children choice and accountability over themselves. And although the outfit thing makes me cringe sometimes, like it's really such a better way to do it. I promise you they're not going to go to college in a Pokemon t-shirt. Or maybe they will. Or maybe and they it's will. Gonna be fine, it's right? totally fine. So this goes with allowing them to fail safely. So one of my daughters was a gymnast and wanted to wear her gymnastics outfits to school, which with the same psychologist who quickly realized after counseling my son that I maybe needed a few sessions on my own. Um, we were talking about outfits again. It's funny how outfits became such a hot button issue. And we were talking about the fight of getting my daughter's dress for school. And she said, well, what's the fight about? And I said, well, she wants to wear a gymnastics outfit to school. And she's like, so? And I said, no, a gymnastics outfit. And like she's a leotard. Like, so what? And I said, well, <laughs> the school won't allow that. And she said, totally. So what? And I was like, what? I said, are you saying I should let her wear a gymnastics outfit to school? Thinking, surely... There's no way that that could be what she's saying. She said, yeah, absolutely. And if she gets in trouble at school, that's so good. If she has to get picked up from school, even better. And I was like, oh, sweet mother. I love this psychologist. What am I doing to my children? (laughs) I love it so much. Because how else are they going to learn more effectively? This is awesome. Let me tell you what this pattern of control will do to your children. As as your children are trying to... um, assert their autonomy, which is such a good developmentally appropriate thing. Um, if from every choice they've had to make, there's been conflict, which I'm telling you, this clothing issue was a daily headbutting in my home. Like it really was when they start to developmentally separate from you, which is so important and crucial and exactly what we want. Guess what happens? Those relationships become distant because the obedience to like these crazy rigid rules that had nothing to do with them and everything to do with you, um, it drives these huge divides and you don't begin to, you don't see your kids as their own individual selves and it becomes um, a huge divide as they get older. Mm. Okay. Another example. So clothes is the first one, easiest one. The second one, which is one that I literally, I'm embarrassed to say this, I literally just barely allowed this to happen in my house, um, is letting my kids decorate their own rooms. Okay. Okay. My goodness. Okay. I'm like crawling in my skin as I'm talking about this. I can tell. You're really uncomfortable about it. I thought that I had let my kids decorate their own rooms. Oh, that's cute. Okay. That's super cute. Right? I Uh know. Yeah. So I thought that I had let them decorate their rooms because I let them pick between two different shades of the coral that I wanted. Correct. And between three different bedding also that I wanted. Correct. But I thought I was picking things based off what they really wanted and couldn't express to me. I wouldn't let my kids hang posters in their rooms. Um, Lots of things like this. Letting them decorate their own rooms is such a... A healthy thing to do. Can I go there? Go there, girl. I am forever and always grateful for my parents for letting me do what 
whatever I wanted in expressing myself in my childhood bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I want to just show the flip side of that as a product of, of yeah. parents too. And honestly, they probably didn't care, right? you know, but it's it, so I, I don't want to give them too much credit. Like they were super intentional and, right. and said, we're going to raise our, ch-. I just yeah. don't think that they cared. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But, um, but the reason I'm sharing that is because I think back to my childhood home and the things that I chose to display and put up and the wall, yeah. the map and the, you know, these little posters with sayings and marking all over the walls, yeah. the heights of my friends and all these things and crazy bedding and weird wallpaper, <laughs> like all these weird things. Like it yeah. truly was an ugly bedroom, um, but it was part of the foundation that I had in my childhood of being who I am, which is so important. And I feel like I've always had a greater sense of myself because of that freedom that I had. And so it's possible, it's doable. And I'm so proud of you because I know I I relate to that to an extent. Like I know the feeling of you work so hard to have a home in the first place, right? you have a home or an apartment or a flat or whatever, and you want to create that space to represent you as a family or you as a person. So to have a young human being, particularly your offspring, right, <laughs> want to swoop in with their underdeveloped of- <laughs> sense of style. Yes. Is that a nice way of putting it? That's actually it? a really good way to put it. It is hard. So I do get it. And I also want to say that you can do it and I'm proud of you for doing it. And Thank I'm you. telling you that, um, it's, it's better for the kids. It it's, is way, it's way better. better. And I still, it's not comfortable. I'm going to be honest. I know. Like it's still I, I not comfortable that. and I still walk by, it's my daughter's room. Thankfully by the, oh sweet Weston. By the time Weston got his own room, he was like firmly in his own style. And so it's gorgeous. His room, he came up That's with is really cool. Absolutely amazing. That is amazing. Um, the girls are experimenting with a lot of posters. Awesome. There's some Jojo Siwa thrown I in there. I have no clue what that is. Um, it's a girl who, I don't know why she's famous, but okay. makes bows and gaudy accessories of all types. <laughs> and there's a poster of her up there. I That's think there's awesome. a dog sitting on a donut, maybe. <laughs> totally serious. I need to see this. Um, my girls are so profoundly happy in this room that Aww. makes me want to die, but it's fine. It's totally fine. I'm and so this proud discomfort of you. I'm working through, this is a great way to help them to exercise their autonomy. If, if we don't trust them, if we don't demonstrate trust and say, Hey, I know you're capable of picking your own outfits. I know you're capable of doing that. Um, we're conditioning them from a very young age, age to feel like what they are is not right. Mm. What they are is mm-hmm. not good. And let me tell you something, tell me social consequences of going to school in a gymnastics outfit are oh so much more effective than mom's consequences that will spare her from that because the difference is is if she gets the social consequences or actual consequences from school for doing that it will change her actions as where if I'm forcing it it changes nothing and I continue butting heads for her entire life you've learned so much I have learned so much so we're gonna wrap this up because this is a long long episode and we really could talk about this forever so we've had several listeners write in just so you know yeah who have said I know you guys keep saying that it's going too long but please stop saying it because I don't want it to end and so I know there was a moment that I was wondering if we should split it into two episodes but really when we when we actually take this one live we'll just let people know if it's something you need to just break into break into two or three sessions do you Well, and you know what, when this is coming out, the episode after is going to be a shorter one. So maybe this will be, um, this will be a little extra, a little extra. Um, no, that's not true. Next week is a regular length, but 
the one that's coming out on Christmas Day. Is yes, very that's short. the one I was referring yes. to. So yeah. um, take your time, really digest this, go through this. And I encourage you to make that list for yourself. And one thing we do in our family um, that if you're not doing, Becky and I talk about a lot is family council and mm-hmm. PPI, which stands for personal progress interview. Mm-hmm. And um, we talk about the progress of, of our kids I love it. And, and goals they have. And that is the time that we have set aside in our home for asking our kids, hey, what are your goals? How are you feeling? Those questions that we are talking about that actually encourage autonomy and honor honor and help our kids to be searching for the kinds of answers with, within themselves because helping them to develop autonomy, helping ourselves to maintain autonomy um, really is the key, I feel, to self-esteem, to being empowered in life, to showing up the best you can in the roles, and best of all, Best of all, putting on your big girl pants, taking control of your happiness, taking control of the areas that you choose to stand in your life and doing it firmly and strongly and with joy and gratitude. The end. (laughs) Drop the mic. Becky. The end. Is it really the end? Do you feel like you got to say all the things? Nope. Nope. It's fine, but I'm excited because I know that this has been on both our minds and hearts. And so I am so looking forward Mm. to your episode at the start of January and seeing how that piggybacks. And I know that it's going to kind of be an unofficial part two to this. Well, that's what I was just going to say is that anything that you didn't say in this episode, you will be hanging on to for the episode that's launching on none other than January 1st. So get excited for that because this is a continued conversation uh, with a completely different twist, but really it's the continued conversation. This is all work on ourselves. I am so grateful for what you shared. I don't usually get my notebook out to write things down while we're recording because I'm just really focused on the dialogue and our voices. Um, But there were a couple of things that I needed to write down during that episode. And this is sincerely one of the episodes I cannot wait to listen to specifically while I'm hiking by myself on the mountain without without you. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be there. You're not invited. Totally fine. You will be in my ear. No, really, Becky, this is so inspired. And I totally get why you were uh, nervous and anxious because, and feeling the opposition, because like we said at the beginning, these are the kinds of things that, um, that uh, I hate to keep bringing up Satan, but I'm just going to say it. it. Why not? It scares him. He doesn't like it. He's uncomfortable with it. Dude, if you put your big girl pants on, do you know what you can do? And, and that's the thing is he's so afraid because we were, when we remember who we are and more than that, when we remember that we have complete control over ourselves, over our lives, over the choices and the places we choose to be. When he remembers we have complete control, guess what? We can move forward with our big girl pants on, kicking butt, busting through walls. And if it's, what's that quote? Um, If Satan remembers like or if we remember who we are, it scares him because he knows what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is change the world. That's it. We're going to change the world by starting with ourselves, by being better people, by being better spouses, by being better parents. We change the world. And who's afraid? I think we know who's afraid. He sure is. And you know what? He freaking should be because it's on like Donkey Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Just I could not say any of that better. So what I will say is that friends, we thank you. We thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. 
Nothing that we have said is more important than the specific things that I know you have been feeling that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel, and most importantly, act on them. We love you, we're cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. You should put a picture, like a poster of me on one of those every time it comes I will. Down. I, I will. As long as you're winking and as long as your hands are not on the microphone, I'll put any picture of you anywhere in my house. Stop. Don't even play with me because I will give you the best. The microphone. I can touch it. No, you can't. I'm the one with the, I'm listening and. You're telling me you can hear this? <laughs>